Summer is almost here. Don't you want to go to the beach with thicker, gorgeous, beautiful locks and everyone goes, hey, I love your hair. And you go, Nutrafol, baby. (laughs) You know, something along that lines. Well, take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering my listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and you enter the promo code TSFS. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and hairstylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. I recommend it. I've been taking Nutrafol for years. It's how I got my hair back thicker and not falling out in chunks after I had KJ. Now it's your turn. Nutrafol has been on with me for years, and that's because you all continue to buy, and it really works. I love it. Now it's your turn to love it too. Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com with the promo code TSFS. That's Nutrafol.com with the promo code TSFS. Via Hemp, let's talk about it. Via Hemp offers THC and non-TH craft cannabis experiences. Now, I love a non-THC option when it comes to your overall wellness. I'm talking sleep aid, maybe anxiety if you have that. Well, that's where Via comes into play. And did you know even a non-THC option if you're doing fertility or IVF can be helpful? Look into that. Well, Via is incredible. You got to be 21 plus. You can get 15% off with my exclusive code TSFS when you go to ViaHemp, V-I-I-A, hemp.com. They have all kinds of lifestyle products. And like I said, the best part is with the THC or without, so you don't have the buzzy buzzy. Don't you love my cannabis lingo? I mean, the buzzy buzzy. Anyway, I'm unique. What can I I say, look, order now. You're going to love Via Hemp. Use the code TSFS to receive 15% off and a one-time free sample of their award-winning gummies, 21 plus. That's viahemp.com and use the code TSFS at checkout. Support the show. Tell them I sent you and enhance your everyday life with Via Hemp. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's the Sarah Fraser Show. I'm your host, Sarah Fraser. So, look, um, best way to support this show always is to frequent our sponsors. You can do it one of two ways: buy from our sponsors, shop, 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 or join my Patreon. Patreon.com/slash the Sarah Fraser Show. Five dollars per month, or you can make the fifty dollar plus pledge for the year. That money goes to help support my team. Our awesome producer, Alyssa, who you've heard, and also Gavin, who's amazing, who does like a lot of my video editing. But I want to talk about fibroids. Do you have them? Well, guess what? 
80% of all women will have a fibroid by the age of 50. So we probably have them. Uh, Varying degrees, of course, of them and how much they impact you. But if you're thinking about getting pregnant or even if you don't want a kid and you just want to be healthy, some of the signs that you may have a fibroid are heavy periods, uh, long periods, cramping that's very severe and doesn't get better over time. All big signs that you may have a fibroid. Horizonfibroids.com is the website. And Dr. Will Neem is a top fibroid doctor and surgeon in Maryland. You need to know your options because lots of times your OBGYN doesn't even know all the choices you have, including uterine fibroid embolization, which is a non-surgical procedure. It's like a small little slit that they go through your wrist. And they boom, they can uh, cut off oxygen to your fibroids and save you a lot of pain. Yes, Horizon Fibroids takes insurance. Make your appointment today. Go to horizonfibroids.com. Also, are you looking for a fantastic realtor? The real estate market continues to be red hot. Do you know how much your house is worth? Or are you looking to purchase a house? Well, Penny G with Long and Foster is the woman for you and Chris K and Associates. All you need to do is contact Penny. Her email is pennyg at lnf.com. Or you can call her at 202-299-0424. This is for all my D.C., Maryland, and Virginia friends. They're pretty amazing. They are top realtors in the area. The D.C. housing market continues to be hotter than ever. There there were 21% more listings in November 2020 versus 2019. And the median sale price is up 10% from 2019 and 2020. So it is huge. Call or send an email to Penny today. It's pennyg at lnf.com. Today on the show, my friend Jessica Kirsten, she is an uber famous comedian. You've seen her in a ton of Judd Apatow films. She's been touring for more than 20 years, and she just got a comedy special on Comedy Central, thanks to Bill Burr. So I ended up meeting her on the set of HBO's Crashing. I did a, a day like shoot with them. I played a radio DJ along with Rob Spiewak, who's on a podcast called The Mike O'Mara Show. We were that typical cheesy morning radio. And Jessica Kirsten and Pete Holmes, Pete Holmes is the writer, very famous comic and actor. We shot the scene with them and they were so gracious. Like when I tell you, oh, I, I, you know, my first foray into Hollywood was one where I'm like, I in Hollywood forever. It was awesome. They were incredibly kind. And I can remember Pete Holmes coming into the trailer because you legit have a trailer where you get your makeup done. And he said, I don't want you to be nervous. And I want you to improvise. You know, you're used to morning radio where they improvise. You can't mess this up. We're going to have a really good time and and we'll do the script a little, but we'll also really improvise. And so anyway, I fell in love with Pete and Jessica Kirsten. So she's had quite the career. She's a lesbian. She talks about her relationship being married to a woman. She has four daughters and also how much of a man's world the comedian, the comedy world still is. She's also coming out with a documentary called Hysterical about female comics. We get into that and then she shares a pretty funny story about working with Robert De Niro. So here's Jessica Kirsten. Oh my gosh. She's finally here. I mean, no help to me. Three fucking years later. Anyway, Jessica Kirsten, the comedian, the actress, I got to know you when we shot a scene for HBO's Crashing. And ever since then, you know, I've just followed you on social media. We've texted on and off like, all right, we got to do, you know, I got to have you on. Finally, you're here. I know. And it's not your fault. I mean, first of all, I can't believe it's been three years since we did that. It will have been three years this summer. So I think it was like June or July of like 20, wasn't it like 2019? Yeah. 
that we did that HBO scene. I don't even know. Yeah, well, I, whatever it was, <laughs> I love doing it with you. I had so much fun. You're you're great. Okay, well, you and Pete Holmes were so nice. And, you know, obviously, I had never been on a set before. It was so five-star. I mean, it truly is like what you hear about. They bring around all these mini quiche. You know, I didn't know whether to eat them or not. It was like they had all these mini quiche. I mean, you guys are hanging out. Obviously, you and Pete have this great rapport. And it took all day to shoot one scene, which was like mind-blowing to me. Yeah, it's insane. I mean, people don't realize you do the same. You film it like 50 times because you have to do it from different angles. So they have to. And then when they switch all the cameras, it takes forever. So it's a very long day. And of course, we're shooting in a like a setup of a radio morning show. And, and myself and this other guy are the wacky radio DJs, right? And, it, you know, we do the, we do all the lines over and over. And I don't even know how we got to the point of just completely improvising. But one of the moments was you you had said to my character, oh, well, you know, you know, have you been with a woman? And my real life experience was I went to an all women's college and I was fingered by this woman once. And I told you that. <laughs> you, you and Pete Holmes, I don't think you expected that at all. And you both died. And I was like... Yeah. Oh my God, these two people who have worked with everyone actually thought that this was funny. I felt great. Well, I, I even just now when you just jumped to fingering, like there wasn't even kissing or anything. You just were fingered. Were you just fingered or was there like hugging and kissing? You know, I don't think there was much kissing. It was what? literally, it you was like, I think I felt her boobs for like a few minutes and then she just went to rate right to fingering and I don't, you know, we were really hammered. So Maybe there was some kissing, but I don't recall much. I, I recall a lot of fingering for a while. And was- <laughs> did you enjoy it? I'm sure you did. You I probably did. don't remember. Who doesn't yeah. love to be fingered? You know, drunk or sober. So I I thought it was great. And then, um, you know, she never really talked to me again. And, and she actually ended up then having sex with my brother. So I don't know if the fingering Boy. was like a Once she fingered you, she's like, I'm never going to be with a woman again. What's in it? What's in there? Is there like a mousetrap? Why did she have such a bad experience? You know, I wonder if I'm one of those women that's vagina has teeth. You know, have you ever heard of those rare conditions? Yeah. Well, no, that's like, isn't there like, oh, this is going to sound so stupid, but isn't there like a cyst that you can have with hair and teeth? Yes. And isn't it because it's almost like a twin that develops when you're in the womb, but it doesn't? Yeah. And thank God, because it can you imagine how ugly it would be if it's just hair and teeth? I mean, thank God it just doesn't ever become alive. But what an odd place to sit, right? Why in your vagina? Like it would be more helpful in your armpit, but instead you 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 get born, you go along for a while, and then you find out you have teeth in your vag. That's so yeah. that's the worst. I'm so I probably have teeth in my vag. I don't even know what's going on down there. I'm so dead inside. It's <laughs> there's an actual movie about it teeth in the vagina that was but yeah I don't know what that says I mean that was my that was my sort of um quick you know time into the lesbian lifestyle and it ended because obviously she found my brother more attractive that was just well that's not in the lesbian if you were in the lesbian lifestyle you would just be crying a lot and eating hummus and like learning how to fix a car you wouldn't be it's not about fingering that (laughs) think that i always say that about lesbian porn like you see these women with long nails like oh my god your fingers feel so good Uh, i'm like that's not what happens like you don't get a hysterectomy when you have sex with someone like lesbians we have short nails and we're very sad (laughs) 
That's basically what's happening. Wow. Hey, when yeah. did you, by the way, obviously you're very open and you're out and, and that's part of your stand-up act. When did you actually know you were gay? How, what, did you come out early? That's a good question. I didn't know seriously until my 20s, which is crazy because growing up, I mean, I was, it's not like I wasn't attracted to guys. I just never fell in love with one. Yeah. I never felt that emotional connection. But, you know, I had sex with guys, but then I was like, ugh, get away from me. But I wasn't like grossed out by them. And um, and then I had a secret relationship in college. I met my first girlfriend. This is a great story. I was I was a senior in college and she was a freshman. And she I was in a sorority and she was going through rush. And I just was like drawn to her. I didn't even know what it was. It wasn't like a sexual thing. I was just drawn to her. She was very pretty. And she was drawn to me. And then we had this like thing for months where we would just sit in a car and like stare at each other. Like, I didn't know what it was. I had no idea what was going on. Yeah. And then we went home for Christmas break and we drank wine and smoked pot. And then we started like wrestling and then we kissed and we both freaked out and she left. And uh, yeah. And then we eventually got into this relationship, but it was secret. I was so ashamed that I kept it from everybody. Meanwhile, no one even cared. Like when I came out to my family, they thought the way I was describing it, they thought I had cancer. Like I was like, oh my God, you're going to be so upset. And they were like, yeah, we knew. We knew. Wait, did your mom know? Because your yeah, mother, your mom, mom knew. she knew. And your mom is a therapist, right? Mm-hmm. Was a therapist. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, of course, I feel like a lot of people that follow your career already know this. But I mean, you are a little bit of Hollywood royalty. Your stepbrother is Zach Braff. Yeah. And his father is your stepfather. I mean, you guys are a pretty talented yeah. family. Yeah. And my other stepbrother, one of them's a writer, writes books. And the other one is a TV writer who's written movies with Zach. But yeah, it's really, it's interesting. And Zach and I grew up together. He was nine and I was 15 when our parents got together. And so So. when you guys were little, did you, you know, did you both like, was everybody in the family in drama? Did your parents encourage it? No, No, not at all. No, no, no. He was a child actor, but no one else was in it. Yeah. That's my, I don't even know what, what, you're like, what? is this even no, my family? This is an amazing picture. I'm going to tell you why. Okay. This is unbelievable right now. Okay, so this is this is interesting. This is when my stepfather, who's passed, mm-hmm. um, my mother's in the middle, the gorgeous, you know, brown hair. She's stunning. I, my mother is just beautiful. And then she's next to my stepfather, Hal. Hal got an award. He was a, a very big lawyer, and he got an award. And Zach's date, the woman, the blonde woman sitting down is Amanda, who's lost her husband. Um, and her husband, Nick Cordero. Yeah. From- so Amanda is Zach's best friend. And he brought her as a date because his girlfriend couldn't come. And she's like a member of our family. This it's it's interesting to see this picture. Yeah, it's been mm-hmm. it's been horrific um, to go through that with her. And, uh, yeah, and that's my, you know, my wife and then my sister and her kids and my aunt and uncle and, yeah. I know. That's a beautiful photo. And you're right. You know, you guys have had a really tough, because after I met you, about a year later, your stepfather passed, who you were close with. And, you know, you were telling us on set funny stories of your parents, you know, your mother and your stepfather. And then, of course, yeah, 
what Nick went through with who passed of COVID, very well-known Broadway star. But I mean, that battle was months and months. I mean, so I'm sure just be, you know, obviously with Zach and you guys knew him, it must have been terrible. Well, they were living with him. Uh, They bought a house right near him and they moved in with him with the baby in his guest house. And then they went to New York to get their stuff, to get the moving truck set up. And he got it when he went to New York somehow. And Amanda never got it. And Elvis never got it, the baby. And then they went back to the house. And then he was in the hospital living with Zach the whole, she was living with Zach the whole time. And uh, now she's in her house, which is right down the street from him. But um, yeah, it was unbelievable. I mean, it was very close to our family. Like, and my mom, Amanda and Nick were literally like my mom's kids. Like she was very close with Nick. It was horrible. And that's, you know, obviously Nick was well known, but I mean, I I just, I don't even know emotionally how you guys did it because that was like one of the most, it was one of the first big stories of how drawn out COVID could be. Cause at first it was kind of like, well, he was coming back and improving. Then Mm -hmm. he lost a leg, you know, a leg had to be amputated. And then it was like, okay, then it was like every, every week you would see these updates like on people.com. Yeah, one thing after the next. It was insane. I mean, he everything that could have gone wrong went wrong and he kept fighting and then he and then he, they wouldn't even Zach somehow got his mother into the country to see him before he passed. I mean, she wasn't even allowed to come in. He pulled some strings, thank God, but I don't I don't even know what he did, but yeah, it was really that's why I, to this day when people are like, "Oh, only older people get it." I'm like, Can, "It's so frustrating because he was 41 and he was healthy." I mean, he was very, he was a Broadway dancer, very healthy guy. Had no underlying conditions. No, no. And, uh, and the one, I know you hear this all the time, but literally he could not be kinder. Like he was one of those people who didn't talk about people, just the kindest person and so full of life. I went to see him in the city, do cabaret with my family and Reese, right? Like this was not too long before he got COVID and he was so incredibly talented. I mean, it's, it's unreal with a one-year-old baby. Like, I know he'll never, I know it's, it's so sad. You know, you can really go down the rabbit hole of how sad it is that, you know, Elvis will never know his dad yeah. and, you know, Amanda, it's great to see her. I think she's on the talk now. Yes. Um, and I was at least a bright thing. Yeah, I thought what a great choice of someone that has such introspection, you know, I mean, who's been in Hollywood, but also knows really without your health, you have nothing, you know, and Mm -hmm. I thought what a great addition to that show. How is Zach? How are Zach and Amanda doing? I mean, oh, and you guys as a family and your mom, we've had the craziest. I mean, (laughs) this started. So before my stepfather got sick, my stepsister, Zach's only sister, got had a brain aneurysm Mm -hmm. and I mean, this is so depressing, but it's life. I mean, this is what happened. And it's, she had a brain aneurysm and then she had a number of strokes and she was paralyzed and a vegetable for, this is horrible for two years. So she was in a home. I know. And then during that time, my stepfather got cancer, a very aggressive cancer. So basically he had to fly to California while he was dying of cancer to bury my stepsister. So she died. Then he died. I know. Then um, this ha- doesn't have to do with Zach, but my father passed 
uh, during COVID. I know. Oh my God, Jessica, oh. have you thought about giving up comedy and going back to being a therapist? Because I I'd read you were almost well, a therapist. Honestly, have you I thought- am st- being a comic during all of this is very hard, but it's also incredibly therapeutic because I can let out my energy. You know, you know, I do a lot of characters and I'm wild and I make these videos. So I feel like it helps me a lot. And I also love seeing people laugh. Like it's very healing to me. It's not a selfish thing. It's really when I see people belly laughing, I feel better. Um, and you know, and it's life like this happens. People go through horrible times. It's fucking awful. Yeah, it is. It is. But you know what? It could always be worse. I really live my life like that. I don't go poor me, poor me. Like I, I hear other people's situations and I'm like, thank God I'm not them. I mean, it could be so much worse. It is true. It, I mean, yeah. it's a hard though. You say all that and I'm thinking, oh my God, you know, I'm counting my blessings as you're telling your story, you know, cause it's like, it's amazing. You have that attitude. Yeah. You have, I have to, because if yeah. I go into the self-pity and the poor me and all that shit, it, it, it's not, how is that helping me? Like, it, it, how can you function if you live like that? Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Thank God I have the ability to be grateful. Because I really think that's what saves me. Now, you started your stand-up comedy com- career when? In your late 20s or early 30s? Now, I started at 29. And I only start. I was going to school to be a social worker. And the only reason why I started was my grandmother, we were sitting in a restaurant. And I was sitting with my sister and Zach and my other step-siblings and my cousins. And they were all hysterically laughing. And my grandmother called me, you know, this beautiful Jewish woman. She goes, you need to be a comedian. Every time you're sitting with people, they're laughing. And I said, I I could never go on stage, ever. And she's like, trust me, I'm your grandmother, I know. You have a talent and you need to do it. And I looked in the back of the Village Voice, which was an old paper, you know, in, the, in New York. And, yep. and there was a class. And I took the class. And at the after six weeks, it, it helped me to get up in front of the small class every week because my biggest thing was performance anxiety. I was panicked. I panicked. read that. I read you had stage fright for a long time. Horrible. Hor- That's why I'm even doing Zoom shows now and different things because I feel like if I take months off, I I, I don't know if I can do it. Like, it's scary. Wow. Um, and I did it and it was... <clears throat> It was this feeling of excitement of being on stage, but also like, this is, you're going to understand this, but it sounds so crazy. Uh, It was so much angst and such a horrible feeling that I wanted to do it again because I'm so self-destructive that, yeah, I I was like, this is horrible. So I'm going to do it forever. Like it was. Yeah. I, you ha- when I read that, I've been re-inspired and I feel like it clicked something in me because I've always wanted to do stand-up. Like just to, but I'm you fucking should. scared to death. I've always worked with an ensemble. Like I've always done morning radio, which is essentially improv. I've taken improv, I've yeah. always worked with other people. So right it is so hard to be a good comic at your level, at Bill Burr's level. It's like, and I almost like I'm like, I don't want to do it unless I can be on their page. <laughs> Well, you can. See, you already have, like, you have that. A lot of people don't. So they have to spend years getting that thing of being able to connect with people and be charismatic. Because this is interesting about stand-up. You can have the best jokes in the world. Like, you could be the most amazing writer. But if you can't sell them on stage, 
you're, it's, you're not going to go anywhere. Then again, you could have shitty material and be a complete salesperson and like, you know, be charismatic and everyone's hysterically laughing and you're not, you're not even saying anything funny. So it's, I got that. All right. I'll you, do ha that. you have it already. You have, you, you can sell something. Yeah. No, no, you're right. Okay. That's, I've never heard it that way. Yeah, it's true. I taught for year. I taught stand-up comedy for 12 years in the city and I would see it all the time. People that had great, they were great writers, but they weren't interesting on stage and they weren't confident. Like it's it, so much of it is confident. It, 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 it really, that's so great to hear because I'm like, okay, if I look at it that way, I'm like, I can do that part. But you're right. You look at some of these people and they're brilliant observations and you think, oh shit, I don't know if I'll ever come up with something as good as that. <laughs> yeah, my thing was, I mean, I can write, but it was never, I'm not like an incredible writer, like some of these comics who are just brilliant at writing. Um, but I am a very good performer. Oh, like, you're, I, yeah. I can, you know, and I know that, like, I can go with a subject and just wing it and improv. And again, so much of it is improv too, which you already are great at. Tell, tell me this. You have been in some unbelievable productions. King of Staten Island, you've you've had a role in. HBO's Crashing, you had repeat roles. Um, you had Nick Cannon's School Dance, the, the film The Binge, which was also a Judd Apatow. You also wrote Prank Calls for Howard Stern. But it wasn't until about a year or so ago that Bill Burr kind of helped you get a comedy special. And I had read that you'd said, you know, you thought... You've put in your time. I mean, and, and my God, you know everybody, every big comic, and you've been in everything. So why do you think that it it took like 19 years to get a comedy special? It's amazing. I, well, listen, you know, it's really unbelievable. Sometimes I don't say a lot, like it's harder for women and blah, blah, blah. But I do think if I were a young, sexy, hot you know, show my ass and tits all the time, comic, female comic who did, you know, could be funny, I would have gotten a special a lot earlier. It's the only time I ever say that because I've actually gotten a lot of opportunities because I'm a woman. So I don't, you know, I don't use that a lot. But I think that it, I was just overlooked and it's fucking insane. I mean, I don't say it a lot, but like I should have had a special years ago. And Bill Burr saw me perform and he was like, what is going on? And then when he approached Comedy Central and said, I'm going to produce Jessica's special. Oh, we love Jessica. It's like all of a sudden they were like, she's the greatest thing since sliced bread. But And then they put me on a ton of stuff. But it, it's just, it's an interesting thing about how someone could just be looked over. I mean, there's so many comics who are brilliant who have not gotten specials. Um, and I don't even know if you knew this, but I executive produced a movie for FX and Hulu. It's coming out in the South by Southwest Festival in a month. Okay, what is it called? It's you're going to freak out. It's called hysterical. It's a, it's a documentary about female comics. And yeah, I can't fucking wait a lot. You'll love it. it. It's I have Kathy Griffin in it and Margaret Cho, Sherry Shepard, Fortune Themes. I mean, a ton of people, are, 15 of us are in it. And it talks about what we've gone through as female comics and things we've been passed over. And yeah, it's in, very interesting. OK, I have two questions about that. Did it irritate the shit out of you as a woman and as a gay woman that it was like a man bill burr who had to help you get a fucking special i would think that that would drive you in like that would irritate me yet i mean i love men but right. I, I feel like were you yeah me too i i um i have to tell you i was so grateful and thank god he did it 
But yes, it, it's infuriating that I had to have, I mean, a lot of people said that they were like, this is, you know, you really should have just gotten this. You just should have gotten it because, you know, the male comics in New York and LA don't see me as a female comic. They just see me as a comic. And a lot of them don't want to follow me. And it's like some of them have had two or three specials. And meanwhile, they don't even want to go up after me because they're afraid. Because you are so funny. Yeah, because I do well on stage because I, you know, I was going up at the Comedy Cellar and uh, I I tell this story because right before I went on, a comic who makes an enormous amount of money, who's always on TV, came up to me. He was going up after me and he said, um, he said, Leave some meat for the rest of us. And I said, find more meat. Yes, yes. I was like, find more meat. I'm giving 100%. Deal with it. You're making a lot more money than I am. You know? Wow. Fuck off. Fuck off. Yeah. Um, well, tell me this because you bring up Kathy Griffin. It, and I actually, and then I want to ask you about Comedy Cellar. Do you, do you, it, does Kathy Griffin not work as much by choice or did that Trump, in, the Trump head, which seems so ridiculous now, really it's, work against her? Well, that is all featured in the movie. Is so it? I'm so glad that we got that in. We also got in the whole thing with Harvey, um, Harvey Weinstein. We got the footage of the girl performing member when he was in the room. And she addressed that that there's a rapist in the room. I mean, it's unbelievable. This newer comic did a show after the whole trial, everything. And he was in the back of the room with people. And she said, I'm going to have to address the elephant in the room. It was all over the news. It's like amazing. But yes, Kathy Griffin lost an enormous amount of dates. She was flagged at the airports on like the no. I mean, it was insane what happened to her. And then everything turned around and she went on tour. And now she's fine. But it was... It was a lot that she went through. Mm, yeah, 100%. Um, okay, in HBO's Crashing, I've always wanted to ask you about this. There's a scene, and I think you're in this scene with Pete Holmes, and it makes it sound like with the comedy seller that you have to be asked to perform. You can you can get a shot to perform once, but really to come back, you have to be asked by the owner of the comedy seller. Is that actually true, or was that fictitious? So what happens is you ha- you get an audition, but to get an audition, you have to have two pretty established comics at the Comedy Cellar refer you. The woman's name is Esty. Um, she books the club. And then you have to you audition for her. And a lot of times, like, you know, she's like, you show up next Friday. I put you on. And then you she's Israeli. I can, I'm doing trying to do an Israeli. <laughs> so you come on a Friday. And then it's like you go up at midnight or 1 a.m. and it's five minutes and you better do well. Because if you don't do well, then she doesn't see you for a while. You know, that's your chance. It's first impression. Wow. And then uh, depending on how you do or what she thinks, she'll say, okay, you can put in a veils or she'll say it's not going to work. And then what happens is you call every week and put in your availability. And then she gets back to you with times of your spots. And when you're starting out, you know, for years, you may not get a call. Uh, during the week and then you're like oh no what did i do did i not do well on a show it's very nerve-wracking to go through that i um, bet and how long did it take you did, how long did it take you in real life because obviously you play comedy seller a fair amount now did yeah it that's take- my home club yeah um i it took a while but she i did late night for years i would go up at one two in the morning and then finally you know i had a kid and i was like i can't I love performing here, but can you put me on at 12? 
So then I started doing like, you know, 12 and 1230, 1130. And then eventually I got in and, you know, they're very good to me. I mean, they'll give me 10 spots a week if I want it, but, uh, it's, it took a while, you know, you have to prove yourself Yeah. and then the waitresses and waiters watch you and they say how you're doing and every show is filmed. So she can always look back and see. Yeah. It's intense. Pressure, the fucking pressure. Oh my God. And it's the best, in my opinion, it's the best club in the country because of that, because they're so on top of, I mean, it's just the best of the best that performs there. Oh, your career. Um, okay. You also tell me what it was like working for Howard Stern. You did a lot of the prank phone calls. I mean, I adore, you know, that show is just so legendary. What, how, how was it? What was it like working? Were you, first of all, were you there when Artie was there? And like, must yeah, be a shit there show. for a time when Artie was there, I, I did more of the, so I did prank calls with Sal and Richard. I would sit in the office with them. And, and I, I think it's probably the hardest I've laughed in my career was to, to do those calls because a lot of times they're 15, 20 minutes long, but they're edited down to two and a half minutes, but it, they're hysterical and they're brilliant. And then, so I did calls and then I, ended up doing some writing. So during the live show, I would sit with the writers and write jokes, you know, during the show and sometimes hop on a prank call out of nowhere. They'd be like, can you go in the other room and do a call? It was a blast. It was a blast. Um, I love, I've always loved doing prank calls. And another thing I'm working on is with Rachel Feinstein during COVID. How ironic. I love this. Got a new podcast for you to listen to. Yes, I do. It's the Dr. John Delani Show. Schman and I were actually playing a clip from Dr. John's podcast because he was doing the topic of our youth travel sports ruining families. Well, Dr. John Delani has over 20 years of sitting with families and dealing with hurting people and mental health issues. He has a PhD in counseling. Delani walks alongside real people as they navigate tough decisions. And this is actually something that I really enjoy about his show. It's caller driven. I feel like I'm going to have to get a collar-driven show, Dr. John. I love this. Anyway, listen to the Dr. John Delani show wherever you get your podcast, or you can follow the link in the description of this podcast episode. I always make it very, very easy to find my sponsors and people that I partner with. So start downloading and listening today to the Dr. John Delani podcast. Enjoy. The wait is over. That's right. Season five of The Kardashians is here. Just when you thought life couldn't get any faster, they're punching it up into overdrive. Chris, Courtney, Kim, Chloe, Kendall, and Kylie are back and continue to defy expectations in all their endeavors. So get ready to go behind the glitz and glamour of the most iconic family on television. The all-new season of The Kardashians premieres May 23rd, streaming on Hulu. Want your life back? Order Hungry Root. It's actually as simple as that. Truly, Hungry Root is the best meal kit service I have ever worked with because they have meals that take 12 minutes. Guys, if you are a busy mom like I am, KJ now just started swim lessons. And on the night that he has swim lessons, we're not home until six. I'm trying to make dinner, trying to get him rested and down for bedtime. When I see that number 12, and I know in 12 minutes I can have a healthy meal, I'm turned on. All right? <laughs> You will be too. Hungry Roots website, so easy to use as well. You just go, you can type in a type of cuisine or if you like chicken, or you can do preset where you tell them you're vegetarian, keto, 
or you're a meat lover. Right now, get 40% off. My listeners are getting 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Just go to HungryRoot.com slash TSFS and get 40% off your first delivery and get your free veggies. That's HungryRoot.com slash TSFS. Don't forget to use my link so they know who sent you and get 40% off right now and free veggies for life. Hero Breads. Oh my gosh. Chef's kiss. Do you love carbs? I'm obsessed. Give me a croissant. Give me a tortilla, baby, every day, slathered with some hummus. Yes, please. And then a lot of veggies, a little turkey burger in it. Okay. Um, That's my own proprietary sandwich. Thanks. (laughs) Hero Breads right now offering 10% off. Go to hero.com. Co. Enter the promo code TSFS. You are getting 10% off. Now, Hero Bread is so delicious and flavorful, soft, fluffy. In fact, so fluffy that KJ loves it slathered with butter and cinnamon every day. They're known for their products to have zero to one grams of net carbs, zero sugar, and high in fiber. So what are you waiting for? Don't give up being a breadhead. Hero Bread is offering 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use the code TSFS at checkout. That's TSFS at H-E-R-O dot C-O. When my father was sick and she had a baby and we were both like out of our minds being home, we were like, let's do prank calls. So we recorded, I know. So we have an album coming out of prank calls and they're hysterical. Like you would, it's like we do two old ladies, old Jewish ladies calling a hotel. Like we left a half a sandwich and they'll be like, what room? And we're like, nine, not like we just torture people on these calls. Oh my God. Yeah. That I, when I read that, I was like, wow, that must've been quite oh. an experience because, you know, to Howard's credit, I mean, he has kept that team together and it's just a machine, you know, it's unreal. It's yeah. unreal. And they are funny. I'm telling you the people that work for him, he's, he's lucky. I mean, he's brilliant, but these guys are amazing. Well, they are- so funny. You must have been one of the very few female writers even in his his uh, yes. set, right? I was, I was going to say. Yeah, that's a huge accomplishment. Um, I don't think you play up enough how great you are as a, you've done all, you've got to be in all these guys rooms, you know? It's like Yeah, no, I'm I'm you know, I did start giving myself more credit a couple years ago consciously. I was like, "Jessica, you need to be like give yourself credit. I also feel like the more you do that, the more it comes to you. Like if you put it out there, the energy of that you are, you know, that I am so talented and I do have done so many things. I feel like more comes to me when I put out that energy and say, you know, cause I can do the whole like, Oh no, it's so you know, whatever. Um, it's not that big of a deal, but it is like, you know, my kids say my mom was on The Tonight Show three times or, you know, my mom worked with Robert De Niro or my mom was on Howard Stern. You know, it's like that's a big deal. A big fucking deal. And, yeah. you know, and I, I hope you do that because I feel like every time you do that, it puts it into the universe for other women and young too. girls, you know, to be like, hey, you can play in these guys spaces because it is still a guy's world. You know, yes, I mean, and they but a lot. A yep. lot. And they get more chances than, you know, second chance, third chance. They fuck up. They get canceled. They they come back a hundred times, you know. Yep. Um, tell me about working with De Niro because you were you were a comedy consultant on a, a project for him. Um, got Worked with him, got to know him well. Okay. Yeah, it's a great story. 
I was at the comedy cellar, like on a Tuesday night, just doing a spot. And I heard there was Taylor Hackford was in the room, who's a huge director. And I didn't know who he was, but I heard he was in the room and he was working on a new movie. He was looking at people. So when I know someone's in the room, I play it up a little. I I do this thing where you probably know where I turn around and have conversations with myself on stage. So um, I... When when I knew he was in the room, now little did I know De Niro was in the room too, and his wife and other people. And I turned around and I said, "It doesn't matter." You know, I have these conversations, like these internal monologues, and I'm like, "It doesn't matter who's there. You're never going to make it." Like it was, I played to like an actor or you know people who would get it, and he flipped out and loved my act. And I was doing a gig that Saturday in. Uh, Florida, like a horrible 55 and over development with like half the crowd was had already passed. And he, um, Taylor Hackford called me on my cell phone and I was like, hello. And he's like, hi, this is Taylor Hackford. And I'm like, okay. Like, I didn't even know who he was. Yeah, I wouldn't know either. Right. He's married to um, Helen Mirren. He's, he produced Ray. I mean, he directed Ray and Officer and a Gentleman, a, a, a lot of stuff. And he's huge. Like he was the, he was the head of the director's guild. And he's like, Bob wants to meet with you on Wednesday. And I'm like, Bob, who <laughs> like Bob, De- this is a true story. And he's like, Bob De Niro. And I'm like, okay. Like it was insane. Oh God. And I met with him and we just hit it off. Like we really hit it off. And it was so amazing. I sat with him for hours they just met with me to be in the movie in a scene and harvey Keitel walked in the room and was like bob how do you like my hair for the movie and i'm like am i on acid <laughs> this is how like, i felt on the the set of crashing with you two with you and pete oh my god so i ended up make a very long story short i met with him every day after that in the morning and taught him how to do stand up I, I coached him because I told him I taught stand up. So he wanted, and then he, I basically became his right hand person. It was insane. And I got a producer credit. I didn't, I, I got comedy consultant. I got a producer credit. I was, I was on um, a microphone. He had a thing in his ear while he was doing stand up in the movie. And I talked to him the whole time. I, and everyone would say, tell him this, tell him that. And he just wanted to hear from me. And, um, yeah, it was crazy. I was in a huge scene and then I became, I worked with Leslie Mann and oh my God, all of them, Danny DeVito. I mean, I was like pretty much, I directed some scenes in a way. Like there was a scene where Leslie Mann, who played his love interest, they couldn't get intimate because he was a lot older. So I I met with the two of them in a room and I thought of a whole scene where they could connect. I mean, I really learned that I could direct too. It was crazy. <laughs> What a practicing ground on Bob De Niro. <laughs> I know. And I wasn't, you, you know, were- what's so weird. I wasn't starstruck. And I think that's why he loved me so much. I didn't, I didn't care. I was like, he's just another person. It wasn't, it was weird. I, I still don't really understand that. Maybe because I was around Zach and all these celebrities for so many years uh- that it didn't faze me. Did you also tower over everybody on that set? I mean, I feel like Harvey Keitel, Bob De Niro, they're like all five of five, three. Were you like looking down the whole time? Like, I know it was like the Wizard of Oz. I feel like I was working with all little people. They were like, can you help us with this scene? We represent the law. Um, I, they're all little guys. Yeah. They're like, um, what do you think I should do this time? Yeah, I, they're tiny. 
They're all tiny. Yeah. yeah I, I was like Godzilla and they were like little Asian people. No, it was. <laughs> I know I can tell because you always see you catch them now taking pictures of Robert De Niro with lifts in his shoes. I'm like, this man must be so tiny. These lifts are massive. Sure. I mean, they're huge. He's like this little, like he's this sweet little man. Like he, if you saw him, you'd, I don't know. He's just a regular guy. Well, you, you did grow up around Hollywood fame. I mean, and, and so you knew, I think it it doesn't hold as much power. I mean, that's the thing. I love celebrity. I love the idea of celebrity because I think in this day and age, and you know, the downfalls of fame, so it's not all that great, but it is so hard to become famous and then to stay Mm -hmm. famous. So when someone can do that and, and keep it together mentally or overcome highs and lows, I'm so attracted to them because I'm like, you've captured lightning in a bottle because everybody wants this and you've managed to do it. I don't, I think, I think because I don't get so freaked out, like, hi, hi, Bob. Like I'm not, I just act very natural and they don't get that a lot. I mean, when, when I, can you imagine what it's like to walk down the street with Robert De Niro? I did it for months because I did a movie with him. Everybody's filming you now. Everybody's listening. People freak the fuck out. Yeah. Like I've been around a lot of, I mean, obviously from being around comics who are famous, but to be around De Niro, to walk down the street with him, I mean, people literally freak. So that's how he lives his whole life. So with me, it was like, I didn't, I never did that to him, not one time. So he felt like we were friends. Then he worked with Zach on a movie that just came out and, and he fell in love with Zach. So it's like, he loves the family. It's so funny. It's such a small world. Well, he's single now. Maybe we ought to hook your mom up with Bob De Niro. I actually <laughs> thought of that, but he likes black women. Oh, well, we're yeah. out of luck. Sorry, the Jewish woman's not going to work. It's not yeah, going to work. <laughs> I know. My mom, I would love to do that, like to have them to have dinner. But All right, I want to do a lightning round of questions because I'm, I'm so mm-hmm. glad you're here. Um, I, had, I had read at one time that you still want, you wanted to host a talk show. Um, do you still want to do that? I would love to have a talk show. That's one of the things I would love to do. What would you call it? Maybe in session. In session. Okay. And what would be the, th- what would it be about? What would, the, what would the guests, who would the guests be? Well, I love doing, you know, I have, I have two podcasts now. One is Relatively Sane, which I would love to have you on where and I'm like, I'm, I'm uh, interviewing Lorraine Newman next week from Saturday Night Live. I love interviewing people and getting very real, but also they're funny and real. Cause I don't want to just be silly all the time. I like getting real with people. Yeah. Well, you've yeah. been through real shit. I mean, yeah. you know, it gets real. Yeah. 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 And some, like some, people love that podcast because it's, they can hear some deep stuff, but they can also die laughing. I mean, they're hysterical, some of them. And then I have another podcast, Disgusting Hawk, which is, people are like, why is it named that? I went off on a YouTuber on another podcast called The Bonfire, and the YouTuber started, he has an English accent, and he was calling me Disgusting Hog. He was calling, but it sounded like Hawk. He was like, he's a disgusting hawk. So everyone in the podcast community started calling me the hawk. And the disgusting hawk. So I named my podcast that. Oh God! And that's all me doing characters, interviewing comics. It's hysterical. It's wild. So you would have a lot of those similar people on your talk show. I mean, yes. your talk show would be riveting because you you have this therapist background. You you know all these comics. It would be everything. Okay, in 
Hollywood, a world where people are obsessed with how you look, would you ever have plastic surgery? I would not have major plastic surgery, but I would definitely do something for to my eyes and like get Botox and stuff like that. But I would never get like a new face. Okay. Because I love, I love your face. Like I love you. You have to have it for expression. I also feel like the persona you put out anyway yeah. is you're kind of above all that shit in a way. I get that vibe from you. Yeah, I don't care. I, I don't. I don't put looks together with being funny. I just. I never. I don't know. I never. Thank God. I've just been a woman who's never truly cared what people think of my physical appearance. It's more I how it. I feel. I just, it's, and I'm so grateful again for that too, because I have friends who are tortured by it. And probably very famous friends, men and women. Very famous, very, and they are literally tortured about every single picture and appearance. Tell me this, how did you get over, because I read for years, you had, you know, you battled eating disorders, um, binge eating, um, you know, the yo-yo dieting that you would even lie on your Weight Watchers app, which I would do that too, you know, and I would do that. Like, like I'll eat, I'll have like a half a cup of cream and put one tablespoon. Like I'm a, I'm a liar when it comes to food. I, I realized I'm a food addict. I'm a, an addict period. So when it comes to food, I can't have a little of, you know, people go, why can't you just have one cookie or well, I'm like, are you kidding? I eat the sleeve with the plastic on. Like I am out of control. I can't have a little. And once I realized that I stopped eating certain foods for the most part. And that works. That keeps yes. you in balance. For me, yes. But how did you get to a place? Okay, because I was a binge eater and yo-yo dieter and did the same. And oh my God, did Weight Watchers. And I would try to come up with excuses as to not do the weigh-in, you know? Like, oh, you know, I, I just, I can't. Like the shoes I have on are really heavy and my back I threw out. So I can't really undo the sneakers right now. Like it was to come up with any know, stupid thing, right? Yeah. But how did you get to a place? Because it is so powerful when you don't give a fuck what people think about the way you look or what you weigh. It is so empowering. You obviously know it from famous friends who can't overcome it. So how did you get to that place? Was it through therapy or just sobriety? How? I don't think I ever fully cared what people thought of my physical appearance. I don't know why I, I was overly crazy about how people would vision me as a person, my personality, my talent, more that stuff. Um, And the weight stuff and the looks is really now more about how I feel about myself and just wanting to feel strong and feel confident. Like when I'm out of control with food, I feel like shit on stage. It affects my art. Um, Also, of course, sobriety helped. I mean, I stopped, you know, I've been in and out of sobriety for many years and I'm sober now, thank God. But like, it definitely helped to realize that um, I'm an addict and, you know, I, I really just have to focus on feeling okay myself and not feeling out of control. Yeah, it is. And that's a journey. And it's a journey. And it's a great place for you to be in because, um, you know, people are envious of what you have, you know, like we talked about counting your blessings. I mean, that's something to be grateful for too, because it's amazing to see these people have it all and then either just transform themselves with plastic surgery or hate themselves so much. And you, and we look at them and you're like, you have everything. How, how can you not have self-love? You know? I know. And that, that's what I, you know, people really need to understand that. I know people who are so famous, who have millions and mi- like two cars, a private plane. They are the most miserable 
people and they keep getting work done on their face, like that becomes an addiction too, I think. It does. Yeah. And it's very sad. Like none of that matters. I'd rather be poor and be so happy and okay with myself. You know, it, it doesn't bring happiness. And laugh every day. That have that much money or are not happy. Um, I read you and your wife, Danielle, have four girls. Is that right? I have one daughter, a 14-year-old with my ex. Okay. Jerry, and her name is Zoe, my daughter. And then I have three with Danielle and the ages are five. And we have, this is so insane. We have 20-month-old um, twins. And they're all girls, all four of them. I'm about to become a mama to a little boy, I'm April 15th. Oh, you look so amazing. Oh, girl, it's been a struggle. I had this crazy molar pregnancy. It was a nuts. Um, give me some advice. As a working mom, what is the biggest, what should I know? What should working moms know? Because I love that you just keep on starring in these films and all this stuff. And you're a mama of four. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm a lucky because I didn't, you know, I have a wife who stays home and takes care of them and she's a therapist and she does sessions from home. Isn't that funny? I married a therapist. My mother's a therapist. I mean, it's like, <laughs> yeah. So Danielle's great. Cause she's incredibly supportive of my career and is, doesn't get freaked out if I go away and doesn't get threatened. Like she really inspires me to do that. I'm, I'm lucky. Um, but I, you know, I do, I've realized that I need to also make time for the family. You know, like I, you can get so wrapped up in the entertainment business and so wrapped up in the next gig, the next thing. So if there's anything I can say, it's like, definitely make sure you keep, you know, making time for that, for that family dynamic, for the, you know, like be present. It was very... You know, it's been hard for me to be present at times because I'm like, oh my God, am I going to get this gig? This person's calling. I'm always on my phone. So I've had to work work on that a lot of just being present with my children. But you nailed it, actually. Don't you think the biggest secret is having a partner that's supportive? Yes. And you've seen Hollywood couples who try to marry somebody else who's famous and it rarely works because that's what attracted me to my husband. My husband, like within the first year we dated, said, you know, I'd be really happy to be a stay-at-home father. And I was like, what? I didn't, and you know, he means it. And I'm like, yeah, that, that's great. Right. That is a gift because it, I couldn't do or want to pursue all the things that I want to do with somebody who really, they wanted to shine all the time. Yeah. No, I could never do that because I could never be with me. Like, I don't even know how someone's with someone who's in the entertainment business. So <laughs> I don't know. And a lot of, a lot of my friends who are with someone in the entertainment business have a hard time in their relationship. It's not easy. Because They're, why? Both want to be famous or yeah, just it's like ego stuff and being selfish and, you know, the schedules. And it's just it's hard. I think it's hard. Oh, that is so good. I love picking a partner. And anyway, next time you come on, I want to know like how you found Danielle. Like, how did you find the right partner for you? Because we all go through ups and downs and many people before you find the one that really compliments you. So that's a whole yeah. art form, you know? Yeah. Well, we met each other through friends. And I think a lot of the reason thing that attracted me, to, first of all, she makes me laugh harder than most comics. She's very <laughs> dry and she's hysterical. And also she is a family person, which is something I didn't grow up with. I didn't grow up with a, you know, like we never had family dinners. We didn't, I grew up in a broken family with a lot of, it's a Yiddish word, but surus, like, you know, there was always like stuff happening and problems. And um, so I like that. 
<clears throat> excuse me. And also I, I love that she doesn't get threatened by my career and doesn't get jealous. I mean, that's huge. Most women would never be able to do that. Oh my or, God. Huge. Or men. Huge. Yeah. Huge. Um, you've been so terrific. I'm so glad that I could get you on this show. Tell me all the projects. Are you still doing the DC improv show coming up February 19th? Yes. Awesome. yes. Okay. People can go to dcimprov.com, purchase tickets, Jessica Kirsten, February 19th. You'll be DC improv. It's a virtual show. Yeah. With Rachel Feinstein. Okay. Who I do a weekly show with, um, on zoom every Sunday night. We have, we have huge people on with us. We've had, Gilbert Gottfried comes on all the time. Jeff Ross, Nikki Glaser, Fortune Feimster. I mean, we've had, you know, we had Bridget Everett last week and we, we, it's called We're Not Okay. And it's so much fun. We just talk about not being okay during COVID and we play prank calls and show videos and we interview people and it's a blast. Tell me um, when Hysterical will be out. Where can we that watch will it? That'll be out on South by Southwest. It's going to be announced the date soon. Um, and it'll be online. Of course, the whole festival's online. And I'm very proud of that movie. And then it'll be out on FX, I think, April 2nd. And then on Hulu. Oh, God. I can't wait to freaking... I can't wait to watch that. Oh, my God. That's going to be huge. Yeah. Um, you have the Disgusting Hawk podcast. When do you put out new episodes? So that comes out every Friday. Um, people can watch it. They should watch it on YouTube. It is so wild. I do crazy characters. I'm very out there and I interview comics and everyone breaks all the time. And it, it's, I do this one, like, oh my God, her name is Mandy. And I do um, a guy named Matt, like, what's up? This is Matt. I'm looking for a lady, you know, and, and it's, it's just something so silly. You don't even have to think. You just watch it. It's on my YouTube. Oh my God. You're Slash Jessica Kirsten comedy. And people need to follow you on Instagram, which is Jessica Kirsten. Yeah. You can, because you did this hysterical um, impression of that chick. What was it? Pia, Mia, Pia, or whatever. The one who went off on the black kid that she thought stole her phone. <laughs> you did like, the best impression of that nut. And it was so good. Crazy. <laughs> My manager called me and he's like, you got to, you got to film yourself doing this girl. I mean, she's, Yeah. People are nuts. Your manager was the right call. That was so yeah. good. And then Relatively Sane Podcast, um, which was the first podcast you started. And where yeah. do we find that? That's They can go anywhere. It's on Apple, iTunes. I mean, that's on every single platform for for uh you know podcasts and it's on my website jessicakirsten.com well i look i adore you and thank you for making my first time ever on a set so welcoming you and pete holmes i mean i say that like i just i'm like you guys would not believe how kind these people were they were unbelievable so well you're kind and so lovable and so charismatic and i really just had so much fun with you that day and i was like she's someone i be friends with like you're just cool you know well, we're gonna be friends because i'm gonna get my yeah. ass on stage and really do I have, I, and i'm just gonna become you know what? i figured fuck it i'm gonna launch a, a stand-up career at I'm, i'll be 39 yeah. on saturday i'm like 39 i'm gonna launch well, my stand-up it doesn't matter it's uh, now who cares now about anything it's true it's true they put everybody of all ages on so it's yeah. it doesn't matter you already have a following you have the charisma you have the confidence you have the stage presence do it you just gotta write funny shit you know i'll check it out write some stuff and send it to me. i will jessica kirsten love you enjoy the day okay bye-bye bye, -bye. bye.